0: God bless you, and on behalf of World Harvest Ministries, I'd like to welcome you, and thank you so much for tuning in. In today's message, Brother Marty speaks out of John chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, on the topic, He that does truth cometh to the light. You see, in a day and age of religious emptiness, God is raising up a voice out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And as Brother Marty goes on to state in his message, the spirit of Elijah is coming upon the church. And now I ask you, do you know what that means? Now we hope this word awakens you and deepens your understanding in God's word. And as the Bible says, he that has an ear, let him hear to what the spirit of God is saying. Now let's tune in to today's message.
1: Praise the Lord. The Gospel of John, Chapter 3. We're going to begin. We'll read a good portion of Scripture this morning, but and then we'll we'll see what the Lord does. Beginning with the 14th verse. John, Chapter 3, the Gospel of St. John, Chapter 3. Beginning with the 14th verse. The Lord Jesus is speaking, and and it says, we pick him up in, in mid-speech, really. He said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Notice the word must. It wasn't an option. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting and eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light and neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved or corrected. But he that does truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. I just want to preach for a few moments this morning on the, taken from the bottom of the mean the top of the twenty first verse there he that doeth truth cometh to the light. he that doeth truth cometh to the light. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all those you have gathered from near and far and those that are listening around the world by way of the internet. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity of declaring your word and declaring the son of the living God. May you lift us now, Holy Spirit, in these moments that have been apportioned for this time to hear the word of the living God anointed by thee and that Jesus would be manifest in our midst. We thank you the enemy is defeated by the grace of almighty God and the blood of the lamb and the resurrection from the dead. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks. Help us now and bless all thy people that are here and those listening. In Jesus' name, all God's people say it. Amen, amen and amen. For the last two or three days, I, I can't get away from this third chapter. It's probably one of the most preached out of passages in all the world. John 3.16, even when I was a sinner, I I knew that scripture, (laughs) John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. And when we pick up this story this morning, what we're really witnessing is a conversation at an extremely high level. If you look at chapter three, verse one, what you'll see is that there was a man, let's take a look at that really quick. There was a man, the Bible tells us, Of the Pharisees, chapter 3, verse 1, his name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews and he came to Jesus by night and he said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no man can do the miracles that you do except God is with him. And then Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth or truly, truly, I'm telling you, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, we've heard so many sermons on this, but I believe by the Spirit of God, just for a few moments this morning, if we could look at something profound that was taking place here. Jesus was in the first year of his ministry. As a matter of fact, the Gospel of John is the only one that records all three times that Jesus went to uh, Jerusalem for the Passover. This is the first time that he would come. Word had been spreading of this prophet that apparently had had arisen somewhere in Galilee, Nazareth. Rumor had it. Word had spread that, that people were actually being healed in his ministry. That he spoke and preached in ways that no one had ever heard before. He came into a world... That was dominated politically by a global empire. Dominated militarily by a global empire. And in Israel. A well established religious system had arisen over a 400 year period. For all intensive purposes. There was no moving of the spirit. There was no demonstration of the power of God. There was simply religion form an outward practice, 400 years of silence, 400 years of established religion, 400 years of no open vision from God. History tells us that over half the world was in slavery, the haves and the have-nots. The best you could hope for was to be sold under slavery into a house of a kind master. But unfortunately, this wasn't the case for most. Life, as it was in that day, was cheap. People were bought and sold like cattle. And only the rich in the aristocracy of that day would have privilege if you went to the temple you would see a magnificent structure that had been created over a 46 year period by King Herod the 1st and really it was it was the result of some hundreds of years but Herod would add to it it was a massive and huge structure it was a beautiful thing to behold It is said that the people would travel from all over the world of that day just to witness the sun rising over the mountains of Jerusalem as it would hit the Temple Mount and hit those beautiful uh, brass pillars that were outside the Corinthian gate. And it was said that the lights would stream and light up the western mountains of Jerusalem. But though it was pretty to behold on the outside, and and though it was a magnificent structure to behold, and though religion had become so entrenched, for all intents and purposes, the people had no real active relationship with God. It had been reduced to simply attending a service or showing up in Jerusalem three times a year or offering lamb after lamb after lamb on the brazen altar within the temple. The synagogues dotted the landscape from from Galilee all the way down to Beersheba, from north to south, east and west, but no presence from God. But the Bible tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent his only son. He didn't come a day too late. (laughs) He didn't come a day too early. He showed up right on time. So radical was the son of the living God that none had ever seen the likes of him. Oh, they had been anticipating a manifestation of the Messiah as the Jews understood the Messiah to be. But the truth of the matter is, is that religion had lost the understanding of the promise of God. And into this climate comes this carpenter, as they called him, from from Nazareth. As a matter of fact, when when Philip was introduced, uh, Nathaniel, to, to Jesus, he said, come and Check this guy out, man. I mean, I've never seen anything like him. It's possible this could be the Messiah. He, he's, he's Jesus from Nazareth. And, and Nathaniel would say, Really? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, I'm trying not to preach. That's a good line right there, right? Eh? When they looked at you, somebody said, Can anything good come out of that dude? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So Jesus shows up. The Bible tells us that that things began to happen in the spirit. There was activity. There was this crazy guy in the desert. Hmm? He came out of nowhere. He would be the son of Zacharias, who was a priest in the very temple where this Nicodemus ministered as well. It was rumored that some 30 years before that 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 old man, Zechariah, had gone into the holy place and had burned incense. And they say that an angel appeared to him on the right hand side of the altar. And that when he came out to meet the people that he couldn't even speak. Now his wife, Elizabeth, she was barren and had not given birth to any children her whole life. But it's said that he went and, 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 and she became pregnant in her old age and brought forth a child. And when they went and tried to name him, they tried to name him after his daddy, Zechariah. But, but, but Elizabeth says, no, his name shall be called John. And they motioned at his father and, and his father couldn't talk, right? He was like... And he said, bring me something to write on. So they brought him something to write on. And he wrote on there, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened, the Bible said, and he prophesied. 30 years later, 30 years later, one would appear in the wilderness. They said that he was clothed with camel skin and he wore a leather belt around his waist. He came preaching in the wilderness because he was not welcome within the established hierarchy. But there were those among the Sanhedrin like Nicodemus, like Joseph of Arimathea. They kept in mind something must be going on. And now, isn't that the son of that Zecharias who came out some 30 years ago and he couldn't speak, but isn't that his son? We hear he's out in the wilderness. We hear that the people are flocking to him. And he's preaching a crazy message. Well, what is he preaching? He's preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, he's, he's, just, uh, he's just lost his mind. He's been out in the desert too long. The sun's got to him. He don't even come into town to eat food they say. They say all he eats is locust and wild honey. <laughs> Hallelujah. What does that got to do with anything? It represents something so profound because it was a type of the kind of word that was flowing out of him. What do locusts do? But they consume everything. Right? Such was the anointing on his life that when he preached, it pierced and consumed away the sin of the society that he was preaching to. And though it was a hard word, he also ate honey, wild honey. What does that mean? <laughs> wild means it's not, it's not controlled or produced by men, but it's sweet It was a cutting, prophetic, profound word of of repentance, which was unlike anything that they had been used to hearing for hundreds of years. And it consumed the heart. And though it was hard, there was something about it on the inside of their spirit that it was sweet to them. See, brothers and sisters, there's nothing more beautiful than having your sins cleansed. Than having the burden of that secret thing on the inside of you lifted and washed away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I come by to tell you this morning, and those of you listening around the world, you may not hear it from your pulpits or the established hierarchy of the professional media-driven religion today, but I come by to tell you, whoever cares to hear, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 30 years, and now he's out there. And, and they're flocking to him. See, in our established churches today, most people come in, they come out. They're greeted at the door. They're handed a donut in the Starbucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, they, they walk into a sanctuary where they can't even see because some stupid 30-year-old pastor has turned off all the lights because he thinks it's cool. They turn on their laser machines and they, 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 split in multiple directions and, and then they've got the guys over in the corner with the dry ice for effect and they let the fog swoop down over the platform. Bunch of crazy people that look like a bunch of Muppets or something like that. They come bouncing out on the stage and start beating their guitars and their drums and you can't hear a thing they're saying, but they're all going, Oh, praise God. No one can read their Bible because it's so dark on the inside. But there's no Jesus there. The pastor comes up. He's cool. He's hip. He's wearing skinny jeans. Maybe I'm just jealous because I can't fit in them skinny jeans. (laughs) Knees all torn out. Hair is so spiked that if he ran into something, his head would catch on fire. (laughs) Doesn't even bring his Bible to the pulpit. Tells you how wonderful you are, and you don't need to change. You don't need to be so intense. God loves you just where you are. Oh, and by the way, join us on Wednesday night for our Bible study at the saloon down the street. Man, getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. My God. (laughs) This is modern Christianity in America. Is it any wonder that things are going crazy? That we we elect reality TV stars for our leader. Or on the other end, we we elect people that want to kill their babies and, 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 and celebrate homosexuality. I was just going to come preach a nice message, too. Remember, they're listening around the world. Rome was the most decadent society the world has ever seen. The spirit of it is rising again. The move towards globalism is upon the planet. The churches have lost their anointing. The devil in Rome is telling everybody we need to get together and save the planet. And at the same time, it don't matter if you're Muslim, Buddhist, Confucianist, whatever you may be. It's all together, one family. That's a lie. God so loved the world that he gave Buddha. God so loved the world that he gave Muhammad. No. No. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I, and, I, and I hate to tell you this, you who think that that's okay. His name isn't Buddha. His name isn't Muhammad. His name is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Somebody say amen. amen. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Hmm? John, one day, baptizing out there. Understand this, in a climate that is filled with religious emptiness, suddenly there's a prophet in the desert, clothed in camel's hair, representing the spirit of the prophet Elijah, who had called a nation back to God hundreds of years before. It was written in the prophet Malachi that he would send Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And indeed, Jesus would identify John as having the spirit of Elijah. Because they asked him. See, the spirit of Elijah is coming upon the church again. Amen. See, you don't even know what that means. But it means it will be a radical altering, a life-changing, complete message refining of, of everything that we do and say in preparation of the coming of the Lord. Now, not everybody's going to receive it. Because not everyone can see it. Jesus told Nicodemus, they don't come to the light. They won't come to it, lest their evil deeds be exposed. What is he saying? He's saying this is the condemnation that the whole world falls under. That God sent his son to speak to us. That God sent the prince of heaven to us. That God gave him as a lamb to begin with. But they wouldn't come to him. They won't come to him because they love their sin and their darkness more than they love the light. That's what he said. That's not Brother Marty. That's what Jesus said. John raises up out of the water, and suddenly there he sees him. He appears to it. and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He tells Jesus, Jesus came to his baptism. He says, You should be baptizing me. He says, We need to fulfill all righteousness, for Christ represented all of humanity. And though he knew no sin, he became sin for you and for me. That the righteousness of our Lord might be fulfilled in the hearts and lives of all who believe and trust in him. He comes up out of the water. It's rumored that a voice was heard This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. I say to America and those listening around the world right now, Jesus Christ is his beloved son, America. While it is yet day, hear ye him. I can almost see the gavel of heaven coming down as the edict is about to go forth over this nation. You cannot stain generation after generation with aborted babies in the womb and think that it's okay. God judged one man named Cain for killing one boy named Abel. How many more? 3,000 a day being slaughtered at the altars of Planned Parenthood. And you think we can get away with this? God has not changed. Oh God, why are you taking me in this direction? God has not changed. Those of you who have heard me before, we talk about this. They're filling our children with mindless confusion. They're passing laws to legislate Jesus out of the classroom. They've stripped our courtrooms and public squares of the Ten Commandments. You can put an altar to Satan on the very steps of state capitals, but you can't say Jesus Christ is Lord. What is wrong with us? We send drag queens to our libraries, to infect the minds of our children. We steal children from their parents if they desire to homeschool them in things that are right and true. And when the church in this nation should stand up with a moral authority that could call the nation back to God, they are found wanting. They are found just as corrupt, just as uh, trapped by the sin that they so applaud and say, yeah, judge them, God, judge them. Know ye not that judgment must begin at the house of God? No nation could become like this unless her pulpits failed and unless her church folk failed. We are supposed to be the light of the world, infecting every strata of society with holiness, righteousness, and a joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Instead, we join them in their dens of iniquity. Instead, we applaud their movies. Instead, we dress like them, act like them, talk like them, sing like them. And then we call ourselves Christian, and you wonder why the nation is going to hell in a handbasket? Jesus loves me. (laughs) This I know. Jesus goes into the wilderness. He's tried, he's tested of the very devil himself, according to the gospel. And there, he defeats Satan, quoting the word of God to him Turn these stones into bread. He says, Man shall not, it is written, Satan, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, takes him to a high portion of the temple. Says, throw yourself off. The devil quotes scripture to Jesus. And he says, for it's written, his angels shall, shall have charge over you unless you trip up over a stone. And he says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So then he takes him into a high place in the realms of where all things can be seen. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all this will I give to you. If you will simply bow down and worship me, he turns and he rebukes him, and he says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. He's talking to the devil, right? The only one you is going to get worship here, he says to the devil, is you. You will fall on your face and worship the Lord thy God. He made you. And it says after he said that, it says the devil immediately left him. And when Jesus came out of the wilderness, the Bible says he was empowered with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he goes to his, his hometown church in Nazareth. He, they hand him the scroll of Isaiah and he opens it up and says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hallelujah. Why? For he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those that are held captive, to open blinded eyes, and to open the prison door. Hallelujah.
0: They got so nuts because
1: he closes the book and he says, Today, in your hearing, these words are fulfilled. And all the religious people went, oh, my God, the only one who can fulfill that is the Messiah. Exactly. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him or recognize him. They tried to throw him off a cliff. That's what You read your Bible. That's what it says. The whole town got mad at him. You wonder why sometimes your loved ones don't want to hear anything you have to say about the Lord? It's because the devil's in them. (laughs) They tried to throw the Lord off the cliff and the Bible says he just passed right through the midst of them hallelujah he begins to go about preaching doing marvelous things and we come to our story this morning I won't be much longer but he comes into Jerusalem when he sees the temple he sees the whole house of God is filled with a bunch of people making money Chapter 2 of John, he goes and he makes a tiny little whip, scourge it says. He comes back the next day and he begins to literally, he did this twice. He did it at the beginning of his ministry, he did it at the end of his ministry. He cleaned it up twice. So covetous had they become. Peter said in the last days they're going to make merchandise of you and me. They're going to try and sell their mailing lists to each other. They're going to take poor widows' money and use it for their Lear jets in their mansions and claim that they're free to do it. Sounds familiar. I saw a knucklehead on TV the other day saying, I need $68 million for my jet. And he claims that God told him that he needs a better jet than the one he has. My God, I wouldn't want to be that dude on that day. That would be a good message under the tent, huh? That dude on that day. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. He cleanses the temple, but he announces himself to the leadership. He, he hits them right where it hurts, their pocketbook. And he says, "My, you've turned my father's house into a house of merchandise. You've turned it into a den of thieves. cleansed it. Well, this got the attention of Nicodemus and the boys. Nicodemus was a ruler, we read it, in Israel. There were 70 of them, including the high priest, 71. You know when he went and shook up the establishment like that, you know they got together. Because Nicodemus, when we read it in in verse 1, chapter 3, he said, he said, Master, we know, right? Well, by the spirit of God, that tells us they must have been having some kind of meeting or something. And some of them began to, to say, well, how long have we been kind of feeling convicted over the fact that everybody's selling stuff in the house of God? And the others were saying, nah, he's a false prophet. There's, you know. And the Bible says he came to Jesus by night. Some in history say that John the apostle, he had a house there. In Jerusalem, because he was part of the Levitical priesthood. And so when you read about uh, Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night, literally John is the only one who records it. It's quite possible that it was on top of the roof of John's house that they met. And he tells Jesus, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. But that's not who he was. He wasn't a teacher sent from God. He was God. These were the finest scriptural minds in the world. And they couldn't recognize him. We know you're a teacher sent from God. Why? Because the things that you do, all those miracles you're doing, nobody could do that. It was astounding. Look, that would be like something that happened here in in, in this little church, reaching all the way to the Vatican. The Pope. You know, there's some miracles going on down. Ah, really? But if they were real, it would shake the establishment. See, God poured through him such power that it reached to the very corridors of the established hierarchy of religious power. And shook him up. Nicodemus leaves. He comes out, the Bible says, by night. He didn't want to be seen with him. (laughs) Ah, yeah. I've been there. Be shouting in the Pentecostal church by day. Brother passes you by while you're out there in front of Rusty's. and You act like you don't know him. <laughs> he came by night, but at least he came. Hmm? He says, "Look, you know, we know you're from God, but Jesus like totally bypasses him and, and doesn't even acknowledge what he's talking about. He gets right to the heart of the matter and says, "I'm telling you something," and which is really cool, because we don't know this because we're Gentiles, but if you're Jewish. He's taking a super, uh, a transcendent position over one of the rulers of the Sanhedrin. He says, I say to you, which blew his mind. Because they never spoke in the first person. They always quote each other. And what elder so-and-so says and what rabbi so-and-so says and what the high priest says or what the commentaries say, or what the Talmud or the Mishnah or the oral tradition says. But Jesus, in his His magnificence, he immediately asserts himself as being the master over the house and says, I say, not some commentary, not some weird religious tradition, but I say, you have to be born again, Nicodemus where you can't even see the kingdom. What are you talking about? I've memorized all 613 commandments. I know the oral tradition. I know the oral law uh, concerning the law perfect. I know the washings, the, the, the ordinances. Uh, I can quote the scripture from, from Genesis to, to, to Deuteronomy backwards and forwards, and, 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 and you're telling me that I can't see the kingdom? I can't? search your heart, just because you go by the name Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Charismatic, have you been born again? It sounds absurd to even ask, because we just assume that everybody that comes into the church house is born again. But what is the characteristic of a born-again person? There is a distinct difference between a child of the light and a child of darkness, How are you living? What fruit are you producing? Oh, my gosh, I'm stepping on people's toes, aren't I? What are you reflecting in your life? Oh, you say this, but you do this. And what are you like when nobody else is around? You want to know the measure of a man? What does he do when nobody else is around? David said, in my house, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. David said, "O oh Lord, incline my heart unto your ways. You must be born again. Or you can't even see God or his kingdom. Now, he goes on in this wonderful thing. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I tell you the truth, unless you're born of the spirit and of water. He is talking so deep that by the time Nicodemus responds, he says, how can this be? Understand, he's not just talking to him about the simple plan of salvation. That the, and I've been guilty of this all over the world. Where you, you preach a message and you call them all forward and say a little prayer over them and say, ah, oh, you're saved. And they go back and you never know what happened to them. Is that real salvation? I'm sure the Lord saved and I'm sure the Lord delivered. He only knows. But we have saved so many people in this country that there's more people who claim to be saved than there are people in the country. He says, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. It has to be born of water. It has to be born of the spirit and water. It blows Nicodemus' mind because he realizes he's talking about something far greater than me being back in my mother's womb and being born again. He's literally referencing, and some of you were here on Wednesday night. This is what we were talking about. He is referencing day one of creation. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Jesus is picking up his thought and taking him back to the very purpose of why all material things were created. (laughs) Yes, it's born again as we know it, but he's saying something far deeper than this. He's saying God intended to create A man in his image, children after his likeness. But man came into a universe that was already destroyed and obviously under some sort of chaos. None of us had the right to choose. We were simply born into this world. There was only one man who could have, at the time, prevented all this as it pertains to humanity. That was Adam, according to the scripture. But when he disobeyed everything within his DNA, everything within the the realm of his, uh, his sperm bank, if you will, for lack of a better word, Every human being, every soul existed in one vessel. And when he fell, everyone that would be born after him would be born under sin. We had no choice. It's in our blood. How many, those of you from the South, right? That boy's crazy. Well, it's in his blood. (laughs) (laughs) The blood. Jesus tells him. What's born of flesh is flesh, Nicodemus. What he's literally saying, if you can hear me this morning, you listening, if you can understand, for I'm speaking by the Spirit, he's literally saying, we began with material building block substance of creation. But to keep it in that realm is only to keep it as one thing. It will always stay corrupted and broken. But Spirit cannot be touched Nicodemus and in order for you to be you had to come by way of the other side of the water spirit notice in Genesis it says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then it draws our attention to and the earth became uh, void without form Darkness was upon the face of the deep, right? And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Hmm? The word waters there means a surging mass of misery and destruction in a transitional period. And so he, he takes this master of Israel and he says, I say to you, how could he know? Because he was there. I say to you that you must be born of spirit and water or you can't not only see, you won't even be able to enter. Because what's being made is magnificent and is being constructed by the counsel of the creator himself. And we began by bringing you on the other side of the water into existence. You became a living soul. But you can't stay that way. There is something that needs to be paid for. Some price that needs to be exchanged. Some grand act of love that only I can do. And so you might begin to understand Nicodemus. I'll refer to the Mosaic Law because it's written there that as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, so I have to be lifted up. Well, his mind immediately races back to Numbers 21, which is where you'll find it. There, the people had been bitten by fiery serpents because of their sin. What was this speaking? He was speaking to Nicodemus saying that all men have been bitten by the serpent. But God, in the form of Moses, so to speak, made a pole and made a serpent and lifted it up and told the people, look at this. Because if you do, that serpent that bit you, which will cause you to die, you will be healed and live. What is he saying, Brother Marty, to Nicodemus? He's saying that all men have been bitten and all of us are dying. But God so loved the world that he made his son look like a serpent and lifted him up. God so loved the world, it's as if He's talking in an ongoing dramatic story. Nicodemus, the entirety of humanity, simply entered into an already progressing drama. And and I ain't got time this morning to get into that depth of understanding, but let me tell you this we came into an ongoing battle. And for whatever reason that I have yet to fully understand and will not speak yet, he created a human in the image of God. A body that he himself would 4,000 years inhabit in the presence or in the person of Jesus Christ, his only son. The body was made for Jesus. And you can understand this because in its fully functioning, magnificent self, full of the Spirit of God, the Son of God was able to walk on the water. Yes. To able to call forth life from death. Able to hold crowds spellbound, if you will, spirit bound by His words for three, four days at a time. And then with just five loaves and two fishes. Feed over 15,000 people. That is what we will look like when he's finished with us. That's why Paul would get so excited. And then he would moan and say, oh, wretched man that I am. I mean, my soul is redeemed. My spirit is redeemed. But I still am trapped in the prison of this body. He said, but all creation shall be delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For all creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And he says, and even ourselves shall be delivered. That is the redemption of this material universe, miniature type we call our body. Can you hear? Do you see? Can you understand, Nicodemus? God so loved the world, he said. He gave his son. And he made it really easy. Whoever believes in him, believes in what? In what he did for you and for me. They will not perish. The word perish means they will not be destroyed. What is he saying? Something is going to be destroyed in order to give way to something that shall never be destroyed. We must think by the spirit as God teaches. For we're headed to something grand and glorious. Many are the called, he said. But few are the chosen. He said God loved the world. Why do you think the world always blames God for bad things? Jesus set the story right. Well, It's just horrible. God gave my grandpa cancer. No, he didn't. Sin gave your grandpa cancer. And if your grandpa knew the Lord or knows the Lord, it ain't all that no more for him. He ain't worried about it. He's joined himself and and perfectly aligned himself with that great cloud of witnesses that is urging us on, telling us if you can hear it with a loud voice they are saying, it's real, it's real, it's real. Hallelujah. God so loved the world, Jesus said. It's bad press. It's fake devil news. Right? Newsflash, CNN. God's mean. Fake news. Uh Uh-huh. God so loved the world. And the word world there doesn't just mean humanity. It means the the essence of everything that is, every dimension, every transcendent place of existence. He loved it all and gave his son that through him we would have everlasting life. Now, Jesus, I'm hurrying and finishing here. He said, God sent not his son in the world to condemn it, but to save it and deliver it. You read the book of Hebrews. It talks about the heavens themselves having to be cleansed and purified with better sacrifices than bulls and goats. Only God could do such things. This speaks of an economy, a structure, governments, principalities, powers, places, rulers, dominions that exist far beyond what we've ever understood. But even they suffered from the original fall of a being that was once known as Lucifer but became Satan the adversary to all that is perfect, beautiful, and true. It is him that was dealt with. And it is him that is fighting, making his last stand. Oh, this is crazy. I know, but it's awesome. Hallelujah. That's why the world is getting crazy. That's why there's wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and and crazy stuff going on in the culture and hurricanes and and death and destruction and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. Because he's making his last stand, and the planet itself is the theater. It is the great boxing ring of eternity. Hallelujah. But I know one better and better than Mike Tyson. Hallelujah. His name is. <laughs> ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Glory to God. God. See, you shouldn't put me in front of a crowd. Amen. All right. He says in verse 19, and we'll close. Give me me two minutes. He says, this is the condemnation. The word condemnation means, it means that there's a council that debates over a justice system and its laws that must be imposed. And there is a judge who then passes sentence. The verdict. He says, this is the condemnation. This is the reason they're judged. He says, because light, verse 19, has come into the universe, the cosmos. The word light means illumination or revelation. Book of Hebrews says that God and in times past spoke in many different kinds of ways and then spoke by the prophets. He says in these last days, he has spoken by his son. When you hear Jesus, when you read the gospel, when you see him, what you're actually seeing is God communicating to humanity. And he says this is why people are, fall under judgment. It's because light has come but they don't want to come to the light. Jesus would say, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? I pray for my loved ones every day, for my children, for my nieces, for my nephews. I pray for, for my grandchildren. I pray for Mary Elizabeth and Andrew, for Mariah, Michaela. Willem, Melissa, and Gabriel, Moses, Elijah, and Mariah, Brittany, Ashton, Aria, and I call him Ezra, Bryce, their marriages, their families, I pray for you, not because I'm some holy guy, but because the Spirit puts you up in front of my face. while I'm praying what I sense more and more I used to see evangelists cry and go oh God you know the whole world's going to hell and and I thought ah what a phony you know uh, but then I began to realize that's beginning to happen to me because God snatched me from what I deserved bound as a Christian now I'm trying to give you some hope living a phony life being one way in front of you and one way behind closed doors, hating myself, weeping over my own sin, wondering is there really such a thing as deliverance, as, as freedom from the secret prison of my own making? Oh, God, I would cry. Oh, God. But see, I didn't love the light enough. To come to the light, because to come to the light means to admit to yourself, man, I don't even know who I am. I'm just a compilation of everything that I see. I've added this part and that part and, and this habit and that habit, and, 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 and I want to look like him and dress like him and sing like him and do this like them. And, and before you know it, I look in the mirror and go, man, I'm ugly. And somewhere buried underneath all that, Jesus saw me. And when I finally was reduced down to the precious gift of nothing, where all I could say was, God, help me. Hallelujah. 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 I'll never be able to describe it. I'll never be able to write a book about it. I won't sell you a 10 CD package about deliverance because I don't know how it happened. All I said was Jesus help me. And it was enough because it came from a heart that meant it. It wasn't religious. It wasn't phony. It wasn't some concocted thing that I read in a story somewhere. It was just me and God and an open, honest heart saying, I need you. And I'll tell you something. It was just like someone, I I felt it. I heard it. It was like a rubber band that breaks or snaps. I felt it in my heart. Something had attached itself to my heart and I didn't even realize it. The Bible talks about if we persist in the road that we take apart from God, that our very heart becomes like stone. And I have a feeling that over the years, that's what was happening. I didn't want to be that way. I would hit my knees and cry out to God, ask for forgiveness time and time again. And I'd fall time and time again. But I knew somewhere in the recesses of the depth of my very soul, there's got to be deliverance because if this book is what it says it is, then then obviously the only problem is not the book. It's me finding my way to the source of the book. And when you can't find your way, he brings you anyway. He says, I'm the light of the world. That old song he used to say, Oh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Hallelujah. And the things of this earth They grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. (laughs) Hallelujah, and his grace. All of us need his grace. Those of you listening right now, this may be the last gospel message you ever hear. Don't turn away from him. Your very next breath isn't guaranteed. It's very simple. He told this master of Israel, God loves you. Nicodemus, you don't have to apply 630 commandments. You simply have to look at what your sin did and accept what God did to take it away from you. And let his spirit begin to change you. Water and spirit. Come to the light, he said. Because there were those who will not, no matter what you do. But he'll chase you all the way to the gate of hell. David said, man, I've experienced him in such a way that even when I made my bed in hell, he went down into the depths and restored my soul. Hallelujah. He that cometh to the light. The Bible says in verse 21, he that doeth truth, what is truth? Jesus is truth. And what does he say? Repent and believe. He that doeth truth, he comes to the light that his deeds may be made open, that it is God who has created something new in him or her. That's what he means. And we walk around free. Saved, washed in the blood, and waiting for the coming of the Lord. Can you say amen? Would you stand to your feet, please? Hallelujah. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. Glory to God. Glory to God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Those of you listening by way of the internet as well, right where you are, the Lord is reaching into your house, into your home, into your marriage, into your life. I know that I spoke some pretty heavy things this morning as it pertains to our nation, to our culture. But now I want to talk to you. Do you really know him? Have you been living for him? Have you strayed from him? Or have you ever made him the Lord of your life? He is able to take your mess and make it into something beautiful. He can take your chaos and make it into something right and true. He can take your house of sand and remake it, remodel it and place it on a sure foundation. He can save your husband, save your child. He can deliver you from whatever secret thing you've been battling with. There is a joy of the Holy Spirit that is beyond what a human can even express. It is a deep river. Jesus told the woman at the well, if you knew who it is that is talking to you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, a well of water inside you, springing up to everlasting life. There is a huge difference between a true child of God and a child of the world, especially when they both go through the same thing. The child of the world runs to his prescription cabinet to, to anesthetize himself or his bottle so that he doesn't have to think about the pain that he's in. And I don't fault them for that. I just know they don't know. But the child of God, though he goes through something, there is a river that flows deep within and he anchors his hope, his heart, and his soul to the promise of heaven. For this world is not his home. He's just a passing through. And he has a redeemer and he has a lord that is standing over the balcony of heaven inviting them home this world it is coming to an end and it will it will be done away with but god has an invitation while it is yet day will you accept that invitation to be healed with every head bowed every eye closed I don't know everybody in this house and I'm not going to bring you forward, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not here for a show, but if you need prayer this morning in regards to this message, just slip up your hands so I can pray for you, wherever you are. I see those hands, I see those hands, I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you, you may put your hands down. And those of you listening by way of the internet, just as many in this house today lifted their hands. For whatever their reason, they're calling out to the light. And even if you're here and you couldn't do it, it don't matter. He still hears your heart. But I want to pray for you this morning. I want the congregation to stretch your hands toward your neighbor in front of you. And I want you to repeat after me, would you, this, this morning, loud so we can hear you. Say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you. In Jesus' name, we have heard your gospel that you are the light. We ask you now, Father, be that light in my life, be that light in my soul, be that light in my spirit, and in my family, and amongst my loved ones, and in my community. Oh God. We need you, we need Jesus. Send your son, put an end to the madness and let us be filled with your presence in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people. We send them forth in the joy of the Lord. And if you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, today the Lord has begun to do a new thing in you. Come to the light that you might have right to eternal life father i bless them and those listening around the world we thank you for the fruit of thy word and we bless your people and we rejoice in your salvation even so come quickly lord is our prayer in jesus mighty and holy name all god's people said amen amen clap your hands to the lord turn around and shake somebody's hand telling me we're glad to be in the house
0: of the lord amen visitation once again I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in to today's message don't forget to subscribe for the latest message and if you would like more information about our ministry or would like to give you can visit us at www.worldharvestministries.net thank you so much for your prayers and support and as we say here at World Harvest Ministries keep looking up God bless our visitation. say that again sing with me this is the hour yeah.